This is what I felt like I heard the Lord very clearly say this week. The Lord said, teach you to fight. How many of you know there's a battle going on? How many of you have been in a battle? Here, here's what the Lord said. Teach him to fight. When you went, if, you, if you went to school and you got into a fight and you went home, you probably got into trouble. But you need to come to church not to avoid a battle. You need to come to church to learn how to do battle. I'm so thankful for our soldiers that are stationed around the world that are fighting for us. And we gain victory today because we have men and women who are willing to stand up and fight. And here's what I know is there are people that are depending on us, church. In the spiritual realm, there are people that are depending on us. Do you hear that? Do you hear that cadence? I need you to hear that snare drum this morning. I need you to respond to the call because here's what happens. If we fight a heavenly battle with earthly weapons, we get crushed. But if we fight heavenly battles with our spiritual weapons, we dominate. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. They have power to demolish strongholds. And I need the soldiers right now to hear the heavenly cadence of the Lord. And I need him to, you to hear him calling you to battle. Come on, soldiers. Let's rise up. Let's rise up in this place. Gibson that's your assignment this afternoon to watch that but there's some language so I didn't recommend it just in case you're asking but but do you remember he he tried to avoid fighting 
like for a long time, right? He's like, he's like he tried to avoid fighting, but there, there came a point where he didn't have a choice. He had to, he had to fight. Church, that's where I sense like we're at. We got, we got to fight. We got to fight. You don't, ha- you don't have a choice. Your family needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. The world needs you. You don't have a choice. It's time to fight. It's time to fight. It's time to rise up, soldier. And so here's what I want to do. Here's what I want to do this morning. The Lord said to use this time as a, as a laboratory. So I'm going I'm to teach and then we're going to fight. And I'm going to tell, tell your neighbor, watch out. Just tell him, watch out, because I might, I'm going to hit somebody. I'm going to try to hit the devil, but I might swing an elbow and hit you. Somebody, somebody's going down this morning. Somebody is. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach, and then we're going to fight. I'm going to teach, and then we're going to fight. And what the, what's going to happen, so you don't need to be scared, because we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a place of victory. The Lord's already won the battle. The Bible says that according to Ephesians, Jesus has won the battle. He is seated in heavenly realms. That's what this whole song is about. Ephesians chapter 3. It's a very biblical song right out of Ephesians chapter 3 that Jesus Christ himself is seated in the heavenly realms and then he imparts that authority to us. But here's what we have to do. Here's what we have to do and here's what I'm going to teach you. We have to win the battle in the air you got to win the battle in the air if you try to send in the ground troops first you'll get crushed church you can't win this battle on facebook it's not a face it's a battle in the heavenlies so you got to rise above the battle and you got to deploy your heavenly weapons, your spiritual weapons that God has given you to conquer the enemy and deploy those weapons in the name of Jesus. And once we win the battle in the air, then we send in the ground troops. And the ground troops are a harvest of souls. That's what ministry is. Warfare, spiritual warfare and prayer is winning the battle in the air. And then we send in the ground troops through ministry to gather it up. If you're ready to receive that, can you say amen? Amen. Amen. Come on. Uh, Would you stay in this posture of battle? I want to give you some things. I want to give you some weapons. I want to give you some weapons. The weapons are important. I don't want to send a soldier to a fight with a squirt gun. Come on. We need the right we need the right weapons. And so what I want to do is I want to teach in these next few moments how we got to fight with the right weapons. We got to fight with the right weapons. I was reading um, really interesting history. History is important. How something, the origin of something is important because the origin tells you the roots. I'm not saying something can't morph from its roots, but the roots of something are important. And so I think that this will help you in your, in your understanding of this, this battle that we're in. Do you remember the, the message that I preached a few months ago called Storms and Battles? How many of you remember that? Wave at me. Awesome. Eight of you remember that message. The rest of you is on YouTube and you can go go back and catch up but you can't fight a storm you have to shelter during a storm but you can't re- you can't take refuge during a battle 
can't take refuge during a battle. And some of what we're in right now is a battle. So you can't stay in the basement. You can't stay in the basement. You got to come up out of the basement and enter into battle. But, but watch this. felt like the Lord used uh, a secular author in 1984 wrote this. Um, but he was telling about the, the origin of modern media. Because the roots are important. How something begins, roots are important. So uh, Gutenberg invented the, the printing press. When was that? In the 1500s, I believe. And it was about 50 years after that that modern media was invented. It was, it was invented by an Italian gentleman who basically used it for three things. Sensationalism, sex, and slander. He was an uneducated person that just said, I'm going to use this medium to um, promote pornography, to promote slandering other people. And basically, he just wrote lies to get other people all fired up and fighting each other. Does that sound a little bit familiar? Just a, just a tiny bit familiar? This was in the 1500s. And the root of something tells a lot about how it develops. And so what did I say before? If you fight earthly battles with earthly weapons, then you get crushed. But if you fight heavenly battles with spiritual weapons, that's why we have to, church, we have to rise above. There's all kinds of, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of junk in the airways. The Bible calls the devil the prince of the power of the air. And so what we have to do is we got to rise above that junk and we got to win the battle at a higher level. Are you with me? Are you with me? So, so I did a little bit of research on World War II. This was, this was fascinating. So when Hitler basically in a matter of two weeks in 1940, in May of 1940, he demolished France and the Netherlands in two weeks. And then he went against Great Britain. Great Britain at that time in 1940 was the only ally. Can I preach to somebody that it only takes one? Can I preach to somebody that in a culture that doesn't seem to be following the ways of God, that it just takes one, one person to stand in your workplace? Can I, can I preach? Can I preach that when nobody else in your family, it just takes one? It just takes one family to parent differently. It just takes one church to preach truth and live righteousness. It just takes one. Can I preach a little bit about remnant? God doesn't need numbers, church. He needs a remnant that's sold out. He needs a Gideon army that says, I'm going to rise up. Whether it's 3,000 or 300, I'm about to rise up with the power of remnant in this place. And so do you know that Hitler tried to get Britain to surrender without a fight? Because he was afraid of the power that was within the Navy and the Air Force of Britain. Do you know why the enemy is filling your mind with anxiety and worry and fear? He's trying to get you to surrender without a fight because he is scared to death when the warrior arises within you. He knows what's coming. So the enemy is trying to get you to surrender before you even fight the battle. 
And then there were a few politicians in, in Great Britain that said, well, we're, we're not going to surrender. Let's just, let's, let's just compromise. Because when the devil can't get you to surrender fully, he'll just, hey, let's just compromise. This was the line of sin, but let's just, let's just move the line a, li- a little bit. You were, you, were, you were going to church, Steve, one point. Eight times a month. Let's go. Let's go. One point two. Let's just calm. Let's not surrender the whole. Let's not surrender the whole battle because that would be weak. But let's just let's just compromise. You know what I see in the house today? I see some people that refuse to compromise. Come on, tell the devil. Just say no deal. Say no deal. No deal. No deal. You're not going to surrender. You're not going to compromise. And then here's the third thing that I learned about about this battle was exactly what I told you before, that that battle in 1940, the Battle of Britain, it was won or lost in the air, in the air, because Hitler was a master on the ground, but he didn't have control of the air. So Churchill knew that if he could take my goodness church if we get this this morning if we realize the power that we have in the air come on somebody say in the air in the air we're gonna win the battle in the air I'm gonna teach you I'm gonna teach you to fight we're gonna win the battle in the air we're gonna win it with the word of God we're gonna win it with the testimony of our mouth and we're gonna win it with the blood of Jesus here's what the word of God says the word of God says this and the media team, if you'll just kind of flow with me. I may show videos. I may not. I'm, I'll be all over the place with the slides. But listen to this. I read, I read a blog. This was interesting. I read a blog by, this was a, a retired U.S. military commander. And he said this. He was talking about our, our Air Force today and just the need for a strong Air Force. He said, since World War II, no enemy's major military offensive has been victorious against a military who controlled the skies. No defense has been successful against a military who had air superiority. No nation that maintained control of the air has lost a war. And then I started reading the word of God according to Psalm 115 that the highest heavens belong to the Lord. I started reading in Isaiah 37, O Lord of hosts who is enthroned above the cherubim. I started reading in 1 Chronicles 29, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and the earth, yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all in your hand is power and might, and it lies in your hand to make great and to strengthen everyone. That's the word of the Lord over you today. You're going to begin to fight at a different level, and you're going to see results at a different level because we're going to win the battle in the air right now. And through the week, you're going to begin to pick up the results in the natural of what we win in the supernatural. But we got to fight. We got to fight with the word. We got to fight with the word. We came off an amazing missions week, an amazing week of of prayer. Thank you to all of those of you who were faithful every night and 
filled up that passport. Didn't it feel good to get all the stickers in your passport? And thank you for those of, of you who are faithful online. So I want to I wanna demonstrate the power of the word as it pertains to the nations, because we're still kind of in this, in this week of, of missions here. And we talked about these statistics, and they'll put them up. I won't read them all, but basically... Latin America and Africa are leading the way, which we've heard uh, in the past several years. They call it the global south. Sociologists call it the global south. And we've heard of the amazing revivals and awakenings that are taking place in Africa and in South America, which they are. But even those nations are still 82% spiritually lost. And then it gets worse from there. Asia, 92%. Northern Asia, 92%. Eurasia, 99%. And all in all, over 10,000 unreached people groups. And Colin and Madison, two of our young missionaries to West Africa, told about how they took a team of college students and got in a canoe. And remember, they went across the river in a canoe to present the gospel to a tribe that had never heard the gospel before ever because there wasn't a bridge. And that's what we're called to do is build bridges. And I just stared at those stats all week, church. I just stared at them. And I made a recommitment as pastor and of this church. If in the next 10 years we are not strategically engaged in reaching the unreached people groups of the world, then what are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? I'm not saying we're not going to reach our family and our neighbors and our community. We must because a strong Jerusalem, a strong Antioch is key to reaching the nations. Amen. And so it's not an either or. We're going to reach our family and we're going to reach Afghanistan. Come on. We're going we're gonna to reach our neighbor and we're going to reach Iraq. But I believe that according to the promises of the word of God, because the word of God speaks of promises to the nations, Genesis 1, 27, and God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and have dominion. Psalm 2, 8, yours inheritance is the nations. That is our spiritual inheritance. Matthew 28 and Mark chapter 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Any expression of faith in Jesus Christ that does not have a global experience extension is not the fullness of the call of God on our life. And so we're going to be very intentional, very intentional in the next 10 years about upping our game in missions. I'm so thankful for our heritage, but we're supporting 118 missionaries right now. In the next three years, let's support 200 missionaries. In the next three years, in the next three years, every high school student, every niece, every nephew, every grandchild that calls Multiply Church home, we're going to do our best to send them, send them on an overseas missions trip. We want every adult over the next three years, 30 missions trips at least a year. We're just going to be continuing. We're going to be praying for missions teams. And here's what, y'all, you're going to love me so much. I saved you prayer time this week. Say thank you, Pastor Doug. You're welcome. I saved you prayer time because now you don't even have to pray about whether it's God's will for you to go on a missions trip. I prayed for you. God said yes. And so we're all set. So the only thing, the only thing that you have to pray about is where you go. Isn't that cool? I, I I just wanted to tell you that. But we're going to 
be sending out teams? And then can we believe, look, I don't have a clue. Some of these are things that I'm saying. I don't have a clue in the natural how we're going to do this. I believe the Lord is calling us to plant a multiply international location, like somewhere in Denmark or Sweden or, or Czechoslovakia or Africa. But can we believe that God would help us to plant the gospel, the message that Jesus saves, heals, fills, and calls in a foreign country, and that would become a renewed Antioch. What was Antioch? Antioch was an apostolic center that just kept sending people out into all of these villages and surrounding areas. So Antioch planted 22 churches out of Antioch, and some of those churches planted churches. Can we believe God for that? Can we believe God that in the next three years, he will do these things? And then here's what I want to teach you. I want to teach you to fight with the word. So how do, how do we get this victory? How do we get this victory? If the word of God says, Psalm 2.8, ask of me and I will give the nations as your inheritance, then we need to pray the word. We need to pray the word. Let me give you four thing, things very quickly. This was in your uh, passport so you can go back. We're going to pray in just a moment. We're going we're gonna to go to battle for the, for the globe and we're going to claim open doors. Why? Because the battle is won in the air, and the battle of the air starts by proclaiming the word of God. So Colossians 4 says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful that God may open a door that we may proclaim Christ. And then we're going to claim, number two, we're going to claim open minds because the battle's won in the air, and the battle of the air begins with speaking the word of God into the air. And Acts 26 says, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. And then we're going to claim open hearts because the battle of the air is won with the word of God. And the word of God says, for God made his light shine in our hearts to give us light of the glory of God in Christ. And then we're going to claim open heavens because the battle of the air is one with the word of God. And the word of God says, according to Isaiah 45, open up, O heavens, and pour out your righteousness. Let the earth open wide so that salvation and righteousness can sprout up together. So I want to teach you to war. Take these things. I dare you to pray these things over your place of work and not see the atmosphere change in the next 30 days. I dare you to pray these things over your home. I dare you to, to I dare you on your walk, on your evening walk through your neighborhood to pray these things just to claim open doors, open hearts, open minds, open mind, open minds. We've got to claim church. We have to claim open minds because have you been like, have you been listening to somebody talk lately and they're talking and they're using all kinds of smart language and, and everything and they're talking about like the color of this podium and they're talking about how this podium is light blue and you're just kind of like looking you're like am I the only one who is losing it here like I'm pretty I'm pretty sure this is like black and white I'm pretty sure this is I know the color of this podium but everybody around it's like the emperor's clothes right or no clothes like, you're like what's going on here I, I what you say, do people really believe this stuff? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. They really do believe it. That's why you can't win the argument on social media before you win the battle in the air because you have to claim open minds because the Bible says, the Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they are literally unable to see some of the people you're mad at aren't bad, they're blind. 
and that will change the way you pray for them. God, open their eyes. Open their eyes. Come on, warriors. Come on, warriors. Let's pray right now. Come on. Can we pray? God, according to the word of God. Can I I teach this by demonstrating it right now? Some spiritual warfare is not won by the level of your voice. It's won by the level of your declaration of the word of God. So sometimes when I pray, I know I get to shouting. And I get to, I get a little bit excited, but I'm not, I'm not talking about the level of my voice. I'm talking about the level of alignment of my words with the word. And so we claim in the name of Jesus, I need you to do this with me because I'm, I can't fight for you. I need to teach you to fight. I need you to claim open doors. Come on, say those words, open doors, open doors. According to what? According to the word. Not according to my authority, but according to Colossians. That God says, pray that a door may be open. I declare open doors to your relatives. Open doors to your co-workers. Open doors in government buildings. Open doors in our school systems. Open doors in our daycares. Open doors in our hospitals. Come on, somebody. Pray open doors in the place today. And then according to the word of God, we claim open minds. Say open minds. Not according to your power, but according to the power of God. According to Acts, I'm sending you to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. God, right now we cast down spiritual darkness and we speak light into dark places. And then we claim open hearts. Say open hearts. Come on, I need you to get a face in your mind of, of somebody that's fallen away from Jesus or somebody that's not walking in court. And I need you to speak that. Just say open hearts, open hearts. Say their name and say open hearts, open hearts, open hearts. Come on, teachers over your classroom. Say open hearts, say open hearts. And then I want you to begin to declare open heavens in this place that according to the word of God, come on, soldiers on your feet. On your feet, soldiers, open up, O heavens. Pour out your righteousness, O God, according to the word of God. Now you got to get this. You've got to get this. This is so key. 
This is so key. This is where so many believers lose their victory. They lose their victory in this second thing. Because if the word of God says this, which it does, how come we don't see it? Sometimes we lose our victory because of our testimony. You say, well, Pastor Doug, I don't understand. I haven't shared my testimony recently. Yes, you have. You share your testimony every day. But sometimes you testify about your circumstances. And your words of your testimony are words of complaining and they're words of darkness. And they're sowing seeds of division. When you testify against authority and tear down authority, you're testifying division. So you can't walk in the fullness of victory if you're testifying testimony doesn't line up with the word of God. Go ahead and be seated. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Because when our testimony begins to come into alignment, which that which God has spoken, then we begin to operate in a greater level of victory. I've asked Pastor Bill's wife, Mary Ann. Aren't y'all thankful for Pastor Bill and Mary Ann bringing them back from Montana to see us and to be with us and our lead associate pastor, but um, Mary and we didn't realize, Pastor Bill and I have known for over a decade that our birthdays are one day apart, October 12th, October 11th. We just discovered that you and my wife share the same birthday, which exactly. was yesterday. So happy birthday to Mary Ann. But Mary Ann, um, a while ago, you got a diagnosis that was not a good diagnosis, but would you, would you just share a little bit of your story? Yes, I um, am happy to share and declare the works of the Lord. I was diagnosed with cancer and uh, several years ago, and I, uh, it, was, it was like my world was crashing, and I found out that I had a tumor that was stage three from the get-go. I went into surgery, and when they uh, took the tumor out, it was malignant. My uh, beloved husband, my rock told the surgeon, I am not going to lose my wife. And the doctor said, well, I can't guarantee that. And didn't you say, I am not going to lose my wife. And so I had to go through chemotherapy. And when I talked to the oncologist, and she was just a beautiful, uh, she was a woman. And, and uh, she's, I told her, well, what if I don't do the chemo and she got right in my face I mean like right in my face and she said you will die so I was scheduled to have my first session on a Thursday the Wednesday before uh, Bill went to church and the kids were gone I was all alone in my house and I just fell before the Lord and I went into his presence. And I want to encourage all of you the importance of being in the presence of the almighty God. That's where things happen. That's where change happens. And also that's where you're confronted with things at times that you may not like. But you have to confront them so that you can know that God loves you and wants to prepare you. And I went into the presence of the Lord. And I told him, Father, I don't know what to do about this chemotherapy session tomorrow. I've had so many voices tell me, take it. Another voice that says, no, don't take it. And I said, God, you are the only voice that matters. And I need to know what you have to say about this. So then I just laid there in the presence of the Lord and I said nothing. You know, that's hard for some of us to do. We want to talk, 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 talk. 
And the Spirit of the Lord is saying, are you done yet? Are you done yet? But I just stood there and I just waited in his presence. And the Lord gave me a vision. I was in the clouds and I started walking. And as I walked, I could, I could see the clouds moving because I saw a rocking chair. And so I went towards the rocking chair and I was wondering who's in that rocking chair. And as I got closer, it was the Lord and he was holding a little girl in his arms because I could see the little girl. And when I saw the little girl, it was me. And I was about five years old. He was rocking me. And I was asleep. And one of my arms was hanging like this. And it had a tube that had a red liquid running through it. And then the vision disappeared. And I heard a voice in my ear. I mean, it was a clear voice that said, don't be afraid. You know, when you're in the presence of the Lord and he speaks to you, you don't have to be afraid because he's going to lead your life. So the next day I went and I got ready and the the nurse put the tube in place in my port and she says, okay, I'm going to go get the medication. And when she came back, I saw the bag of uh, medication and I was stunned because it was red, just like I saw in my vision. When she put it up, she says, I'm going to get it started. When the first drip landed, the Spirit of the Lord said, believe this is the blood of Jesus healing you of all cancer. And I just said two words, church, two words is all I said. And it was, I believe. That's all it takes is those two words to say, I believe. And it's been 24 years that I can stand and testify about the power of the blood of Jesus. There is power. Well, that testimony I have shared with so many, many people, so many events that God opened doors for me to speak about his power. But that same testimony has given me the strength to deal with some more physical attacks that for some reason they come at me. And I, I remember scripture that I said, I shall live and not die because I'm going to declare the works of the Lord. Well, yesterday I was putting uh, some food in my microwave to have lunch. And when I opened my microwave, the spirit of the Lord just said, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. And I said, do what? I, I know about that joy. And I have had so many things happen to my life that I haven't had joy. There have been moments in ministry that I haven't had joy. There have been moments that I'd want to slap somebody because they were not doing me right. And the Holy Spirit just says, don't go there, girl. I said, but I want to. Don't go there. And I've learned to allow the Spirit of the Lord to. But the Spirit of the Lord said, let the joy of the Lord be my strength. And I said, well, what is that about? And what he was teaching me is that that scripture in Nehemiah 8 verse 10 is the joy. The people were complaining and weeping and all that. And the the prophet said, let let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Well, that joy, the interpretation is let the gladness of the Lord. And it's the existing one. The translation of the Lord is the existing one. So let the joy of the existing one 
be your strength, which means be your fortress, be your rock. You know, sometimes we got to run to the rock. We got to run to that fortress that will give us safety because we have joy in him. Well, I began to think, okay, God, I thank you because he said, just remember everything that I helped you overcome. Because sometimes it's hard to have joy. And the Holy Spirit just said, just remember everything that I helped you overcome. And then I got it. I understood it. And I can stand today and say, I know what the joy of the Lord is that gives me strength. And I can testify that he is able to do far and above what I could ever ask or think. And I thank him for that. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. When I think of all you done and all the battles you brought me over, hallelujah. Come on, let's lift it up in this place. And all the storms I saw you come in my defense, my only song is hallelujah. Come on, you sing it as your testimony in this place. He never let me fall Now unto him who is able Hallelujah Oh And let there never be a day That I don't rise to bring you praise the word of God and the devil hates your testimony he hates when you begin to speak into alignment with the word of God saying thank you for my healing thank you for my salvation thank you for my provision come on can you take about 30 seconds and just fill this room with your testimony with your testimony with your testimony God needs to hear your testimony the enemy needs to hear not my testimony your testimony God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for delivering me from drugs. Thank you for delivering me from alcohol. Thank you for saving my marriage, whatever it is. 
testimony can you just give him praise right now can you give him praise he provided for you he saved you he redeemed you here's the final way that we're gonna fight if you'll take your communion elements we fight with the word we fight with our testimony and we fight with the blood we fight with the blood that in Exodus, when God led his people out of Egypt and he gave his command through his servant Moses to take the perfect, spotless lamb. For somebody in the house today, you don't feel worthy of fighting with victory because the devil's trying to remind you of your failures, but it's not about your failures. It's about the blood of the lamb. It's about the pure, spotless blood of the lamb. They took a perfect lamb, the paschal lamb, the Passover lamb, without spot or blemish, and they sacrificed the lamb. And they took the blood of the lamb, and they put it over the doorposts, and the death angel went over Egypt, and the firstborn of the lamb, the firstborn of every animal, the firstborn of Pharaoh, God's not impressed with your title. That's not going to get you into heaven. Pharaoh had to stand before the Lord and God didn't say, oh, my my bad, You you were Pharaoh. There's only two categories. It's not manager or CEO. It's do you have the blood of Jesus over your heart or you don't? And so in this moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, can I just ask this question? Is the blood of Jesus over your heart? Not if you were raised in church, if you were raised in the South. Y'all, I got converted to Jesus at five. I got converted to the South at 25. I'm all in. I'm talking barbecue, grits, okra, fried okra, sun-dropped, cheer wine, sweet tea, like all in. I love the South. Here's one thing I don't like. I don't like what I call country, country music religion. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean sitting here drinking beer, talking God, amen, ain't going to cut it. 
your relationship with Jesus is not based on you being raised in the South and going to a a church for VBS when you were in third grade. Either you have the blood of Jesus over your heart or you don't. So in this room, I'm not asking how long you've been going to church. I'm asking, are you saved? Are you saved? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? If the answer to that is no or I'm not sure, when I get to three, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ who loves you, who's chasing after you, who has more for you than you could ever desire or imagine. But you need to make that decision right now. No to religion, yes to Jesus. One, two, three. Come on, if that's you, just lift up your hand all across this place. Online, if that's you. Church family, can we pray this prayer together? Everybody in the house, say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I come to the cross and I receive Jesus into my heart so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. Now we're going to plead the body of Jesus and the blood of Jesus as we receive together. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he returns. You're proclaiming the Lord's death. When you proclaim his death, You're also proclaiming your salvation and your healing because that's what came to you through his death. So when we break this bread and we partake of it, we're remembering our salvation, our healing, and everything that Jesus bought for us on the cross. Father, we thank you. We thank you. There are no other words to say. We thank you that you loved us so much that you gave us your son. And we break this bread in remembrance of his sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. May we break and partake together. The book of Leviticus, God has given the command to take the blood and spread it on the altar because it says that life is in the blood. The life of the body is in the blood. And so the blood is what makes atonement for the soul. So when Jesus was sitting at the Last Supper and he took the cup, he said, this is my blood. They knew exactly what they were talking about. There was a sacrifice for atonement. This is my blood that is shed for many for the remissions of sins. So he's telling them, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You don't need the sacrifice anymore because I am the sacrifice. And that sacrifice that he made is what gives us eternal life and is atonement for our souls. That's why we partake of the blood. So he took it and he held it up and he blessed it. So Lord, I pray right now that each person in this room will understand the power of the blood. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not a might be. It's not it sounds good or it would be good if it was. No, there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we take this cup, Lord, as a representation of that power that my soul and every soul in here that has accepted it and takes this steps into that relationship with you that the atonement of our sins and our soul is through the blood of 
of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord, in Christ's name. Take and drink. And when I think of all you've done and all the battles you brought me over, hallelujah. Come on, let's fill this place with the sound of praise in this place. Use your voice. And all the storms I saw you call in my defense, my only song is hallelujah. Come on, he gave his life for you and me. into that battle because you're not afraid anymore you don't have to run you're not hiding from the battle you're not fighting for victory you're fighting fighting from a place of victory but the weapons of your warfare are not carnal but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds in the mighty name of Jesus that I bless you to walk in protection I bless you that you and your home and your vehicle and your houses are covered with the blood of Jesus. I bless you that you are surrounded with the warrior army angels of the living God. I bless you in the name of Jesus to fight with the word of God. I bless you to fight with your testimony, that your testimony is going to step into alignment with the word of God. And I bless you to fight with the blood of Jesus that has never lost a battle ever, 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 and never will lose a battle. I bless you as warriors in the name of Jesus that this battle is the Lord's. If you believe that, give them one more shout of praise in the house today.